0: Amen. Well, welcome to you once again and thank you Chris and worship team for leading our time of worship. Cindy mentioned that our revival services are coming up and we are excited. For a wonderful week of revival in the fall, Reverend Elmer Gillette, who is no stranger to us from Brooklyn, New York, will be our speaker. And so we look forward to having him. And our soloist for the week, in case you didn't see, is our very own Damian Scott. Why don't you stand, Damian? (laughs) God bless you. And we look forward to a wonderful week. So make sure you put that on your calendar and join us for that week. Amen? Amen. John and Nancy were dating. But you need to understand that they were an older couple. John was 92 and Nancy was 89. Well, after careful consideration, they decided that they wanted to get married. So one day they went for a stroll and to talk about wedding details. And as they were walking together, they passed a pharmacy. So they decided to go in. They went up to the counter and asked to speak to the pharmacist. And the pharmacist came up. John said, we've decided to get married, and I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions. The pharmacist grinned at them, trying not to laugh. And so John continued and said, do you have medication for circulation, medication for heart? Uh, Do you have medication for Alzheimer's and for indigestion? The pharmacist said, of course, we we have all of those things. Nancy then continued on, what about medication for memory problems and vitamins, sleeping pills, heartburn? Do, Do you have things for that? The pharmacist said, oh, of course, we have a large variety over here. John said, "Okay, well, we have one last question. Do you have wheelchairs, canes? adult diapers, do do, do you sell all those things, the pharmacist said, in every size and speed. (laughs) Right? They looked at each other, nodded in agreement, and John said, well, we'd like to use you as our bridal registry. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, this morning, the title of my message is Dig Another Well, and it is going to be in two parts, part one this morning and part two next Sunday morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to Genesis chapter 26? Genesis chapter 26, starting from verse 1. says this, a severe famine now struck the land as had happened before in Abraham's time. So Isaac moved to Gerar where Elimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, do not go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. Live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and bless you. I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants, just as I solemnly promised Abraham your father. I will cause your descendants to become as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands, and through your descendants all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So Isaac stayed here in Gerar. When the man who lived there asked Isaac about his wife, Rebekah, he said, she is my sister. He was afraid to say, she is my wife. He thought, they will kill me and get her because she is so beautiful. But sometime later, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out his window and saw Isaac caressing Rebecca. Immediately, Abimelech called for Isaac and exclaimed, "'She is obviously your wife. Why did you say she is my sister?' "'Because I was afraid someone would kill me and get her from me,' Isaac replied. "'How could you do this to us?' Abimelech explained." One of my people might have easily taken your wife and slept with her, and you would have made us guilty of great sin. Then Abimelech issued a public proclamation. Anyone who touches this man or his wife will be put to death. When Isaac planted his crops that year, he harvested a 100 times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him. He became a very rich man, and wealth continued to grow. He acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. So the Philistines filled up all of Isaac's wells with dirt. These were the wells that had been dug by the servants of his father Abraham. Finally, Abimelech ordered Isaac to leave the country. Go somewhere else, he said, for you have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away to Gerar Valley, where he set up their tents and settled down. He reopened the wells his father had dug, which the Philistines had filled in after Abraham's death. Isaac had restored the names Abraham had given them. Isaac's servants also dug in the Gerar Valley and discovered a well of fresh water. But then the shepherds from Gerar came and claimed the spring. This is our water, they said, and they argued over it with Isaac's herdsmen. So Isaac named the well Esek, which means argument. Isaac's men then dug another well. But again, there was a dispute over it. So Isaac named it Sitna, which means hostility. Abandoning that one, Isaac moved on and dug another well. This time, there was no dispute over it. So Isaac named the place Rohaboth, which means open space. For he said, "'At least the Lord has created enough space "'for us to prosper in this land.'" From there, Isaac moved to Beersheba, where the Lord appeared to him on the night of his arrival. "'I am the God of your father Abraham,' he said. "'Do not be afraid, for I am with you, and I will bless you. "'I will multiply your descendants, "'and they will become a great nation. "'I will do this because of my promise to Abraham, my servant.'" Then Isaac built an altar there and worshiped the Lord. He set up his camp at that place, and his servants dug another well. One day, King Abimelech came from Gerar with his advisors, Ahuza and Pichol, the army commander. Why have you come back here? Isaac asked. You obviously hate me since you kicked me off of your land. They replied, we can plainly see that the Lord is with you. So we want to enter into a sworn treaty with you. Let's make a covenant. Swear that you will not harm us just as we have never troubled you. We have always treated you well and we have sent you away in peace. And now look how the Lord has blessed you. So Isaac prepared a covenant feast to celebrate the treaty, and they ate and drank together. Early the next morning, they took a solemn oath not to interfere with each other. Then Isaac sent them home again, and they left him in peace. That very day, Isaac's servants came and told him about a new well they had dug. We found water, they exclaimed. So Isaac named that well Sheba, which means oath, and to that day, and to this day, the town that they grew, grew up there and was called Beersheba, which means well of the oath. At the age of 40, Esau married two Hittite wives, Judith and the other Barry and Besmeth, the daughter of Elon. But Esau's wives made their life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and for the truth that is contained within it. We pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds as we hear from you, and that indeed you would help us to respond accordingly. And so, Lord, may you speak to us now and help us to be uh, people who change and who follow the leading of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. A severe famine had struck the land that Isaac was living in, and it happened before in Abraham's time. But now in Isaac's time, this famine had come. So Isaac and his family had no choice but to move. And so they moved to Gerar, which was where Abimelech, the king, ruled. And this was Philistine territory where the Philistines were ruling at this time. Now, when they moved to Gerar, consider that they didn't know anyone. This was not their home, this was not their people, these people had a different culture, they had different food, it was a complete foreign land, and in this land they were foreigners. So Isaac probably thought to himself that we're only going to be there temporarily right? We just need a place to go because there's famine in our land, so we're just going to go to Gerar, and then from there we'll figure out where we're going to go from there. We just need a place temporarily to go. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt, but do as I tell you. In verse 3, the Lord says to him, live here as a foreigner in this land and I will be with you and bless you. He says, I hereby confirm that I will give all these lands to you and your descendants just as I solemnly promised Abraham, your father. I will increase your descendants because of the the nations of the earth and they will be blessed. I will do this because Abraham listened to me and obeyed all my requirements, commands, decrees, and instructions. So it says, Isaac stayed in Gerar. So we see that although there was a famine and he was only there temporarily, God had told him, stay in this land, stay and live in this land as a foreigner. In other words, stay there and don't leave until I tell you it's time to go. Now, Isaac probably didn't want to stay there because of the many reasons I told you. It was a foreign land. They didn't know the people. They didn't have friends there. They didn't know the culture. They were different. They felt out of place. They were complete strangers. And so, in his mind, he's wondering why do you want me to stay here? I don't feel like I belong here. Have you ever felt like a foreigner? Have you ever felt like you don't belong somewhere? Have you ever gone somewhere and you thought, I don't belong here? Or have you been amongst people and you thought, I don't fit in here? These are not my people. I don't know the culture. I don't know the habits. I don't know the mannerisms. I don't know them. They they don't know me. I don't fit in here. But what God was saying is stay there. You see, don't move on or leave where God has you. That's point number one. Don't move on or leave where you are until God tells you to. Until God tells you to. There was no reason for Isaac to stay in that Philistine land, except for the fact that God told him he wanted him to stay. You see, God had a reason for Isaac being there that Isaac did not know, that Isaac didn't understand. All he knew was God told me to stay here. I don't know why. I don't know for how long, I don't know for what reason, but God has told me to stay, and so he stayed. You may look at your situation and think, this isn't for me, I need to move on, I need to stop, I need to leave, it just isn't for me, I don't belong here. You may look at your situation and think, I don't want to continue living where I live anymore, with my family, in that neighborhood, in that city or town, even maybe in that country. But if God has not told you to go, then it's not time yet. You may look at your situation at work and say, I don't want to work here any longer. I don't want to work for that company. I don't want to work for that boss. I don't want to work with those people. But if God has not told you it's time to go, then it's not time to leave yet. You may look at the people that you're amongst and you may think, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to be in that church ministry. I don't want to be working with those people. I don't want to help any longer. But if God has not told you it's time to move on and go, then it's not time yet. You see, if you're wondering why I'm still here, be sure that God has a reason. And no matter where you are, If you are in the center of God's will, he will make things happen. It doesn't matter if you're comfortable or uncomfortable. If you are right where God wants you to be, he will be able, no matter where you are, to fulfill his promises to you. And so we need to wait on his timing. We need to trust that he knows what's best for us, even when we don't think that we belong, even when we don't want to stay, even when we want to move on. But if God has not given us the go-ahead, then stay where you are. If God has not told us it's time to go, it's time to move, it's time to let go of that, then stay where you are because he has a reason There are times where things come up and there are great opportunities or great things and we need to pray and seek God for direction to ask him. Not every opportunity that comes knocking on our door is for us. And so we need to discern and to know what is for us and what is not. What God has for us and what he doesn't. We need to understand that. And as I was thinking about this point, it came to me, The fact that sometimes I feel we can prematurely move on, not because we feel that God has told us to move on, but we do it for the wrong reasons, okay? And here's what I mean by that. We do it for the wrong reasons um, because we may want to, let's say, quit a particular ministry, You may think, I don't want to be in this ministry anymore. I don't want to volunteer anymore in that particular ministry. Not because you feel that God has told you to move on to something else. Not because you feel that God is calling you to a different area of ministry. But for the wrong reasons because you just aren't having your way. Because you can't lead that ministry or you don't like what so and so said to you about that. And so I'm moving on. I'm quitting. I don't want anything to do with this. Do you know what I'm saying? There are times where we can have the wrong attitude and the wrong motivation to do things and it has nothing to do with God moving us, but we simply move ourselves because we have a bad attitude. There are times where we may say, oh, I'm leaving the church Not because God has told you to leave and to go to another church to invest there, or to go and help start another church, but simply because you don't like the way things are being run. Simply because you don't like the fact that the teens are wearing jeans on the stage, or because you don't like that we have a bulletin, you don't like this, you don't like that. Sometimes we can have a bad attitude and blame God for it. Sometimes we can have the wrong reasons, not because God is telling us, but simply because we get upset about something. And so it's important for us to understand the difference of how we are feeling and what we want, and then what God is actually saying it's time to do. Don't move on or leave where you are until God tells you to, until he says it's time. Don't do it for the wrong reasons. He has a reason for you being where you are. So Isaac stayed in Gerar and he didn't leave. Now remember, those weren't his people. They didn't know him. He didn't know them. So the scripture says they asked Isaac about Rebekah because clearly she was a beautiful woman, right? And so why would they ask about her? Well, they probably wanted to know if she was single or she was married, right? And you know, you probably have had, of course, if you were single, wondered, oh, so I wonder if he's available, right? Or, oh, oh Gloria, you're a beautiful looking woman, right? I wonder, sorry? Thank you. Okay, are, 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 are you single? She and she's a, she, <laughs> she and and she's single, right? Okay, so, you know, so you may wonder. And so these men were asking about Rebecca. They wanted to know who she was. They wanted to know if she was in other words available. Isaac said that she was his sister. He said that she was his sister not because that was the truth, but because he was afraid to tell the truth. So he was afraid to tell them that she was actually his wife. He was afraid to tell them the truth. Have you ever been afraid to tell the truth? Have you ever been afraid to actually say what actually happened? Have you ever been afraid to tell the truth? out of fear that you would get in trouble, out of fear that you would be punished, out of fear that you would be looked upon in a different way, in a different light? Have you ever been afraid of the consequences that you might receive? You see, sometimes in telling the truth, it can be scary because we might not know the outcome. We don't know what's going to happen to us. But I tell you, don't be afraid to tell the truth. Don't be afraid to tell the truth. Isaac lied because he was afraid. And it actually ended up causing more problems because of the fact that he lied. Isaac was afraid because he thought in telling the truth that the men would kill him, okay, and take Rebecca for themselves. So he thought, if they find out that she's really my wife, then they're going to kill me so that they can have her for themselves. That is the reason that he didn't tell the truth. Even though there were times where we may feel afraid or worried to tell the truth, it is important that we do. You see, there are times when doing the right thing means doing the hard thing. Doing the right thing means doing the hard thing. And that hard thing can sometimes be telling the truth. Telling the truth may end up costing us time, money, resources, sleep, but it's better to know at the end of the day that your conscience is clear and your mouth and your heart is clean. That you don't have to remember the lie that you told. That you don't have to keep it up or you know that when you tell a lie, you have to tell another lie to cover it up and then another lie to cover it up. And then you have to remember, what did I tell Chris? Or what did I tell Bill? Is that the same story I told Ethel like you know when we tell the truth we never have to remember what we say because it's the truth God wants us to be people who are truthful people who tell the truth people who are honest Colossians chapter 3 verse 9 says do not lie to each other since you have been taken off your old self with its old practices see Isaac lied and thought he had gotten away with it But one day, the king saw him caressing Rebecca, And the king was no fool. He knew, you know, that's not the way that you touch your sister, right? And he knew that was his wife. He calls him in and calls him out on his lie. Have you ever been called out on a lie? He calls him in, and of course, he would have been embarrassed. He would have been uh, worried that now he would get in trouble. This is the king that he lied to. But the king didn't want to punish him. The king wanted to help Isaac realize that in him lying, he could have actually caused more harm. The king says to him that by lying, one of the other men, one of the Philistine men, could have come and taken Rebekah because they were told she was single. They were told that she wasn't married. They were told that's his sister. And you see, by lying, sometimes we can actually cause a bigger problem. (laughs) Sometimes lies can lead to even bigger problems. Sometimes we feel we have to lie, but then we realize, I didn't actually have to say that. I didn't actually say that. And you may say, well, what about the times where I need to, right? Like a little white lie, or sometimes, you know, people ask me something and I don't want to say it, so, so I tell them something else. Guess what? If somebody asks you something and you don't want to answer, there are nice ways to say, it's none of your business, (laughs) right? (laughs) There are nice ways to say, you know, I don't think that's an appropriate question, or I would prefer not to answer, or you know, that's not really something I want to get into. There are nicer ways to say that, which leads me to say, Mind your business, right? Know what is appropriate and what's not. Because sometimes people ask things that are not appropriate, right? Sometimes people ask you things and you actually wonder, did they really think that was appropriate to ask? And so it's important for us not to put people in situations where it causes them to lie, and also for us to not lie just to get out of situations, but instead, maybe in a different, nicer way, tell them that's not something you feel comfortable talking about. But nonetheless, don't be afraid to tell the truth. Lies only lead to more lies, more troubles, more problems, and ultimately, more consequences. When we lie, not only do we lose our credibility, But we also compromise our integrity, and we dishonor God. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in people who are trustworthy. The Lord detests lying lips. Be careful not to bring that upon yourselves unnecessarily. Don't be afraid to tell the truth. So, Isaac lied, but you also may recall that in previous chapters in Genesis that Isaac's father, who was Abraham, did the same thing. (laughs) Isaac's father Abraham did the same thing with his wife Sarah when he was asked who Sarah was and he said he claimed she was his sister also for fear that the people that asked him would kill him because of that. Do you see how that the fact that Abraham set that example, it was passed down to his son Isaac now? Understand this. That it doesn't matter how old your children, grandchildren, nieces, or nephews, or people that you're around are, but oftentimes children mimic what they see. Children repeat the things that they hear. Children do as they see. And so it's important for us and for you as role models, parents, guardians, whoever you are, to set that example? Are you setting a godly example? Are you telling them to do things that you yourself are not doing? Are you expecting them to live in a certain way that you yourself are not even living? Because they do what they see. They say what they know. They repeat words that they hear. And so it's important for us to set that example. So Abraham had lied and so His son Isaac also followed in his footsteps by lying. The first step towards helping children live right is for the parent themselves to live right as well. Isaac was in this new land and had to start over planting his crops. He didn't have anything much because of the famine that had devastated the land he was living in. And so he didn't have very much. So in other words, he had to start from scratch. He had to start over. Have any of you ever had to start over? (laughs) Have any of you ever had to start from scratch? Some of you, I know, have come from a different country, and you had to start over. You came with hardly anything. You came with just a little bit of money, and you had to build. You had to work hard. You had to build up your life from scratch. Maybe you've had to start over from, you know, being... um, separated or divorced, or coming out of a relationship, and you had to start over in rebuilding or, or getting things back together. Maybe you've had to start over for in your job situation, where the things that you worked so hard at, you had to leave behind, and maybe you started a completely different career, but you had to start over. Or maybe it's starting over when it comes to school and the program that you're in, or the courses that you had to take, or in a ministry. There are times in our lives where, like Isaac, we have to start over, where we have to start from scratch. But the thing to remember is that we're not necessarily starting with nothing, but we're starting with experience. We're starting with a new mindset. And so Isaac came, and he didn't have very much, but he planted what he did have. And we see that God's blessing was so heavy upon him that he harvested, in verses 12 and 13 tell us, that in that year he harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted. For the Lord blessed him, he became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. You see, God can bless your little and make it much God can bless your little and make it much. God's blessing was so heavy upon Isaac that he went from barely enough to more than enough. He went from not having to having more than he needed. There were times in his life, uh, like I'm sure there were times in your life, where you may wonder, am I going to make it? Am I going to have enough? Am I going to get through this? Am I going to be able to make it this month? When we rely on the Lord and not ourselves, we begin to see God's hand in everything. When. We learn to give whatever it is that we have, no matter how small or how big, and we give it over to God, he blesses it and he's able to use it. When we rely on his strength, when we rely on his blessing, when we rely on his provision, he provides more than enough. He provides not everything we want, but everything that we need. He provides. He is a good God. He provides what we need. One of my favorite verses... Is Psalm 37, verse 25, and David says this I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or the children begging bread. You see, what David was saying was he was testifying to the fact that he has seen God's goodness, to the fact that he has seen, that he has never seen God not provide for his people, that he has never seen God not show up when his people needed him the most. And we we can bet on it that when we put our faith and our trust in God, that when we give over whatever it is that we have into his hands, that he will make it more than enough, that he will stretch it, that he will provide. We may not have enough, but God sure does provide the little that we have. There are times where we can work and work and work and make a lot, but we don't see how it's being blessed. And maybe it's because we're not committing it into God's hands and we're not tithing on it and we're not depending upon it. And maybe that's something that you need to start doing. Because I know that there are people here that I have heard them testify that they didn't have very much, but they could see God stretch that dollar, that they could see God provide when they didn't have enough, that they could see how God answered their prayers in that time. And so it's important for us to commit what we have into God's hands to use it. God can bless you and use what you have in ways that you didn't think possible. If God can use the little fish and loaves of a boy's lunch to feed thousands of people, then he can use what you have. If God can use a mere shepherd's rod that Moses used to part the Red Sea, then God can use what you have. If God can use a widow's oil to continue to go and go and not run dry, then God can continue to provide for you. You see, God is able to bless your little and make it much. When we commit it into his hands and we give it over to him. God blessed Isaac and he was faithful to him. Because Isaac decided to walk in obedience to God. When God told him not to leave, he stayed You see, one thing it's important for us to understand is that, yes, God can bless who he chooses to bless, but a lot of times we need to understand that he tells us that there is a condition to the blessing that we are to get. If you follow my commands, if you walk in my ways, if you follow my decrees, you see, we cannot expect to live any way that we desire to live and God is just going to bless us. (laughs) We We cannot expect to do our own thing and just call upon God when we need him to give us whatever we need. We cannot expect for God to just be that genie in a bottle that we ask when we want something right away. We need to live according to God's laws. We need to live according to his commands. We need to live according to how he tells us. He desires us to live, to demonstrate fruits of the Spirit, to demonstrate a Christ-centered life, to demonstrate a life that's being led by his Holy Spirit. He desires for us to live in such a way. Maybe you've been struggling with whether this is the time to stay or go in a certain area of your life. Remember, don't move on or leave where you are until God tells you to. Maybe you've been keeping a secret from a spouse, a parent, friend, loved one, or someone else that you know that you shouldn't have, or you know that you should have been open and honest with them about something a long time ago. Remember, don't be afraid to tell the truth, and it's never too late to tell the truth. Or maybe you've been so stressed out at work So much uh, has been going on and you're feeling like you're not getting anywhere. You're feeling like you've been working so hard and you're still not able to provide or make enough. Remember that God can bless your little and make it much. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. And we thank you for the different lessons that we can learn from this passage of Scripture. And we pray that, Lord, you would indeed help us in every area of our lives, that you would help us to know when the right time is for certain things to happen, that you would help us to wait upon you and wait upon your timing and to seek your face and your guidance, oh God, that, Lord, you would help us, Father, to be people who are truthful and honest and trustworthy, that we would always tell the truth and that we would never be afraid to tell the truth, but you would empower us, oh God, give us wisdom and discernment. And we pray, Father, for your blessing to be upon us, that you would continue to provide for your people, that you would bless our little, O God, and that you would increase it, that you would help us to always have enough, that you would bless our resources, that you would bless our families, that you would provide, O God, and that you would help us, not just in material ways, but in so many more ways, O God. We pray for your blessing. And so, Lord, we thank you, and we pray that you would help us to to live according to your standard. We thank you for the love that you have lavished upon us and we love you, Lord, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Would you stand?